0: All these songs of loss and grief. Mm-hmm. There's not a perfect playlist for that, you know.
1: No, there yeah. really isn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to Imposter
1: Syndrome Survivors Club. <laughs> We are reporting live from Silver Lake, California. Poster Syndrome Survivors Club is a place to remind y'all that it ain't you, it's the world. It's it's basically us saying that when the
0: world has got you fucked up, we with you. And it's not you. And it's not you. It's not you. We're deciding that this podcast is going to take on some of the basic topics of life and, you know, really remind ourselves and each other that we all deserve grace. And we, and we all are just trying to figure, it out today's topic is grief because i feel like imposter syndrome is also a place of grieving grieving to what we're holding on to what we need to let go what we lost would you say that's spot on
1: yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think it's a space of mourning. I was on a YouTube video. It was about how black love is dead. There was a really beautiful comment, and it kind of talked about love and how love is actually this space of acceptance in the various ways that we, we rebirth ourselves in our life.
0: Mm, yeah, you know? I just want to go back to the part, who's saying black love is dead? <laughs>
1: Is his brother named J.D. something?
0: Uh Uh-oh. Is his name Rashid Rashad? No. Is it a Hotep
1: thing? (laughs) No, he's actually uh, not Hotepy. It's interesting to see these brothers that are getting hundreds and thousands of YouTube likes because now they're using specific language that was crafted by black M's.
0: How do you feel about that? Yeah. 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 Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, which that's a whole different other conversation. Let's introduce ourselves.
0: Okay. My name is Justice Served, a.k.a. Pastor Juice, a.k.a. Lemon Peppa Step number one. I am feeling angelic Mm. and I'm feeling fulfilled. Is that a fulfilled? Is that like adjective ish? Yeah. Fulfilled. Yeah. That's dope. And uh, sad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing. And my pronouns
0: are he, him, and bitch ass nigga.
1: I can't with you.
0: really need that as a shirt because even like if you don't get it if you don't get my pronouns then you are a bitch ass nigga and explaining my transness is like i am a bitch ass nigga and it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing i have the qualities of a feminine person mm-hmm. and i like ass mm-hmm. and i'm a nigga it should be simple i like
1: it i thought that the word was gonna be if you don't respect my pronouns or if you can't say my pronouns you are a bitch ass nigga
0: I Defining bitch ass nigga because my thing is before I came out with my transness mm-hmm. everyone was like oh you're such a fuck boy and I don't think I was a fuck boy I didn't have those characteristics what I was is a bitch ass nigga which is a sensitive nigga who has a lot of feelings mm-hmm. I have feelings and I don't think it's bad mm-hmm. so instead of saying I'm oh, a fuck boy I'm like you know what? I'm a bitch ass nigga mm-hmm. I cry I feel I am vulnerable, and I love heart, and that's okay. Shout out to Drake. (laughs) Sorry, that's not a bitch ass nigga. That is a fuck boy. He's not a part of our new group, by the way. (laughs) All right.
1: (laughs) How about you? Introduce yourself. All right, for sure. My name is Amelia Kishiro Hamilton, a.k.a. a million like a million dollars. My K name is Amelie Mill, and my pronouns are she, her, they, them. And I will say that my adjectives today are solemn. I do feel relaxed. I do feel hopeful, and I am in this perpetual space of kind of mourning in a weird way. Yeah. If that makes sense. There's always an air of, of I don't know if it's like sadness or resonance, but there's just something. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I feel like it's a, it's a supportive acceptance. Yeah. Of whatever I'm feeling, I just let it come through me. So I'm open. Yeah. I feel open. I'm uh
0: am definitely grieving. Yeah, I've been grieving for the past. Um if we're gonna talk about Survivor yeah, Club, I sweet. feel like I've been grieving since 2019 for sure. Mm-hmm. It's just like a state of grief, but it's worked its way in many ways. The reason why we're talking about grief is because a dear friend of mine passed away and I'm experiencing grief again. And I'm also experiencing knowing the knowledge of grief. Not used to it, but knowing what's happening. I can feel very closely how, you know, others in this person's life are going through it, and really feeling more of an emotional connection. And then I also have sort of been feeling a little useless. I was just telling a million, I feel like life is a party where, like, man, you remember at the party, you had B.I.G. and Tupac and all these people showing up. Now, these are all celebrities, but, like, for me, it would be, like, my dad, my grandma, my auntie, like, cousins and they were all at the party and now you're like at the party and there's a bunch of people who have left which really means they've passed and I feel like I'm at the party where now you just have like a bunch of drunk idiots some of them are really sweethearts and they're like really setting the intimacy of the party shout out to my dear friends, family and then part of me is just like but all these other people were smart enough to not go to go home you know what i mean like they're not here i feel like i've been at the party of life too long and it has me thinking about depression and suicide and all the things that i usually normally think about but in a very deeper spiritual way almost in a way of like transcend transcendence you know like i'm thinking a lot about what does my life look like before i transcend Mm. And I've never really thought of death that way. I think I thought a lot about grief as someone else's loss. When my dad died, I was like, oh, we lost him. He's gone. But now I'm thinking about the part of myself that's been lost Mm. since that. And that's just kind of changed the way I think about grieving. So yeah.
1: How do you think of grief? Well, can I ask you before I answer that what were you doing before that you're trying to do differently
0: yeah it's just the paying attention and slowing down and being in tune and i lived in los angeles recently moved to new orleans and before i you know left was before i grieved so i was just moving around a lot and not really making really deep connections and and really saying i love you Like, I now tell anyone I talk to, including strangers, you look good, I love you, have a good day! Because it's so much more important to change my spiritual body into being a body of love. Because I only have this one life to share that love. Versus before, it was kind of just confusion and disarray. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah when i had my loss there was no right way to grieve and i now feel like grieving is almost like meditation it's like you can take a moment of your day to grieve you know yeah 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 thank you for sharing that but uh yeah i know how do you how do you feel like you've been defining grief
1: i have been defining it by acknowledging it and accepting it and mm-hmm. then when i had actual spaces of of actual loss not to say that I hadn't experienced loss growing up but I had not really even been to a real funeral until I was in my 20s even my grandfather's funeral I didn't go to it was in Louisiana and I was in Vegas mm-hmm. and that was really the first time I experienced loss it was my grandfather and I never knew my my grandparents who passed away on a real personal level so catching up to that even visiting Japan in 2019 and visiting their graves mm. was like oh there's this thing that I had never had a chance to do but has lingered inside of me Mm -hmm. when i was in tokyo and i finally met them Mm -hmm. in the spirit Mm -hmm. i didn't meet them my grandmother when i was very little but even with my identity and my job and just being able to feel how much is shifting and changing i've just come to relationship with it as something that is eternal Mm. and i think it's helped me cope with suicide because i did have like suicidal ideations specifically in my 30s and my life really changed Mm. and like you said, you bringing up that space for yourself was, I think, spirit and the world saying, hey, it's time for you to Mm -hmm. pay attention to this. Mm -hmm. There's something here Mm -hmm. that you need to address Mm -hmm. that nobody else can. I would say that's definitely been where I'm at with grief. Yeah, like COVID, the number's hitting 1 million. Yeah. That's trippy. I mean, it's more than 1 million, though. It's more. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, you're right, and you know i lost my my best one of my best friends uh, last year so i feel like the only way to survive is to learn how to grieve.
0: Yeah. I picked this subject literally before we really started. Like this morning I was really like okay I know I need to talk about this now. But I read this article about how America as a country is a place of grief but we actually haven't created that much space for it. We've just been reliving grief upon grief loss upon loss. I mean we're both black Americans and being a black is grief because it feels like we're constantly at a loss. You know there's not one day where I don't find out that someone has lost someone or is about to lose someone and they are a person of color. You know, now we're in this pandemic and I'm trying to connect to other people and and really express the grief. Yeah, I I was speaking at a funeral when I was nine years old. I can't even remember which one. I think it was my grandma's funeral and then my aunt, great aunt's funeral. And like, I know how to speak at funerals. Like it's something I think about weirdly. Wow, and uh, I spoke my at my dad's funeral, and at the end of the day, there's too much to say about someone you lose, but you can still remember the feeling. And so I've been trying to recently express to my friend's mother the feeling of grief because I feel like everyone thinks that it's a solitude thing, but we all go through the same feeling. We all went through a pandemic. You know what I mean? Like we all feel like we're in mourning. We either lost a job, an opportunity, someone we love or we're in a relationship with. And in it, we were all just like, eh, how you doing? Oh, pandemic. You know, like we didn't really talk about it. And that's scary. I don't know, we talk about... viruses and COVID, but not about the loss. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's how 5 million Americans have lost someone in the pandemic.
1: It stating America as a site for grief. Yeah. Oh, all of the things that come out of this nation that mm-hmm. are so nefarious and I can't not see how many people and how many ways people are grieving and hurting in this country, especially with our displaced family members, mm-hmm. people who are medicating themselves in whatever way, yeah. not to even judge, but everyone is medicating themselves in so many ways. It's interesting to see the avoidance or projection of judging the way others grieve.
0: Ooh, damn.
1: As <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not shade, okay? It's just a little shading.
1: I'm going to call it like I call it. Because America as a site of unresolved, unrelinquished, continually producing and pouring grief, spaces of pain in in this nation. And then you have a person and people who are surviving in that gumbo. (laughs) (laughs) And the way people are doing it, it's like to each his own. Yeah. But simultaneously, there are so many people who have something to say about the way others are doing it. when that maybe is what is being more and more revealed to us and something that we should all address within ourselves. And I definitely know that I am, you know, even in my own relationship to that space I told you about where I was like, dang, I've been grieving my whole life because, yeah, I mean, I started drinking when I was 12 years old. Yeah, Mm. I'm 38. I've been sober for a year and a half now, probably a year and eight months Mm -hmm. uh, from alcohol. But I do take other things. I have been on Wellbutrin. I'm on Ritalin currently, just been recently diagnosed as somebody who has ADHD not knowing that I had that challenge in my life uh, but I can see the difference in when i take the medicine that it is helping mm-hmm. with certain spaces it's making me feel a little more kinder to myself and whatever I've been doing has been some sort of a chemical engagement that clearly is filling some sort of thing inside of me that I'm using to cope and mechanize and I think that as human beings medicine is around for a reason yeah, you know like we good. we are all created in a specific way and the God and the Earth and, you know, Gaia makes these things for us to... No, I'm
0: on your point. I'm I'm just agreeing. I'm more just kind of like, there's levels of it, you know? Yeah. There's already a loss embedded, you know? And like, you... There's a medicine to fill that. Mm -hmm. I'm the opposite, y'all. I'm I'm just newly sober, but I do weed. And I wish I had the thing to fill the void. Like, I'm still thinking psychologically, like, there's a link missing. I worry because I'm thinking about my friend who passed. And I'm thinking, like, maybe there is a link. You know, maybe there was something that could have been taken or you know what I mean like to really fill that void mm-hmm. Um I say I'm fulfilled but then there's trying to describe what is loss and loss is not knowing like how to give yourself grace but also be your full self I don't you know
1: well, you're on the journey so that's the yes. thing is it's not about being complete there's no such thing as being like fully fixed I believe what does that even mean anyways I think that's a space of whiteness almost to be like you're <laughs> yeah. this ultimate cyborg and like I'm everything is
0: fixed I'm just saying I want to click with myself, with my... You know,
1: but you are you are starting the processes and you've been working on them. So that's why it's like it's like to me. I feel like you are doing it. Like you know, yeah. Like we're doing our best. Yeah, we're doing our best. Everyone is grieving and feeling simultaneously similar feelings of loss, but we're not. We're not really speaking about it. Yeah. Yeah, but we're not really speaking about
0: it. Do you feel like you've gone through the stages of grief? And do you know the stages of grief? Can you share the stages (laughs) of grief? (laughs) The stages of grief were created by. Psychologist and what white people <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: dun, dun, dun.
0: Um, and it's really a model that shows that everyone goes through like same experience of grief. Mm-hmm. And so it's five emotions: it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. The reason why I even bring this up is because I'm pretty sure I Googled this after my pop pass because I was like, mm-hmm. how long is it gonna take to get through these stages? <laughs> I really didn't know. I watch a lot of television film, so I've seen it, but I was like, What does it even look like? Those stages can go in any order, but also they can be every other day thing. Some weeks I am angry in my grief, and there's other days where I'm just accepting it. I feel like my friend's memorial, I had acceptance, but now I feel... Or no, the first week I I was angry. I was just angry, just to find out, just to know, right? But then I feel like as it's passed, I'm kind of thinking about a little denial. Unsure if this is real. I think every week to week we are grieving like, you said every day. You know what I mean? You, you said you've been grieving since you were young, so you probably went through some stages of it, you know, without you knowing. You know?
1: I also, I think I inherited it.
0: Oh, hold up now. <laughs>
1: <Du-du-du-du-du-du-du-du-du>. <laughs> that's real. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's real. And how do you feel that? Or I mean, you know, I love my mom and dad, but I was born into two people who found shelter in each other from mm. their own fa- familial dysfunction. Growing up in that, and I've yeah. seen my parents... Uh, go through pretty extreme spaces of depression mm-hmm. as a child yeah and I didn't correlate until I was an adult that there was some things that were not necessarily mine that I was born into you know and we do inherit trauma yeah from our ancestors and especially like we're both as descendants of slavery yeah do you know what I mean I think oh, there's, there's no way we didn't we there's no way we didn't yeah. there's no way I get very upset about the history of meme culture that exploits um, when I say ados I mean American descendants of Slavery. Say it
0: again.
1: ADOS, um, American Descendants of Slavery. That's a whole kind of controversial group, but um, I'm with that language. I get upset about the ways with which ADOS who are displaced or are doing drugs or other things are depicted or used in like meme culture or viral culture of digital culture mm. in that exploitation of a space to make fun of, crack heads, crack, you know, oh, that, that yeah. language, uh, tweakers, mm-hmm. all that, because I'm like, these are people who are mourning, you yeah. know, and grieving and a lot of the telltale of why we, we need spaces of care, right? And access... And abilities to put language to what we're dealing with. I mean, I was
0: thinking in my head that that language is used a lot when it comes to popular culture, of black men and emotions too. Again, me being called bitch ass nigga, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. crying and having emotions means it shows weakness. I'll give an example: is Michael Jordan and his cry face. Yes. How did that become something we just make fun of, like you right. know, or like Kanye and what he's going through, which is still a result, no matter what you say, of his mother passing and Tyrese when he had his breakdown which was actually due to he like took some meds and then didn't take them and then he had a break. There is that mentality I'm gonna be honest, African Americans we are, we're denouncing someone's grief in that way with humor and I think yeah. that comes from a place of saying humor is supposed to make us all feel better. It's kind of like medicine it numbs but it doesn't work when someone is going through any stage of grief or anything like it's just so heavy for me this is not a joke. They can had like eight Kids or something by multiple women. You've heard of this, right? Mm-hmm. But he recently just lost a child, a mm-hmm. baby, and he went on like a whole post and he shared emotionally. And then a month later, people were like, Oh my God, I can't believe he's having another kid. And I'm like, Man, he did just lose a child. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's weird. How do you go from a month before being like, Oh, that's sad, to like, But he shouldn't be having more kids? I don't know. I found that weird. The fact that people were so involved like that, it's just odd. It's like we're telling people how they should live their lives, but also how long they should go when they should heal. Personally, what's got me fucked up about the world is we're okay with ignoring that people are not okay and just saying they're not okay. We're not supposed to tell people when they're not okay. It's not our job. Internally, God and in ourselves is supposed to say when we're not okay. If we're in a culture where we're seeing people and we're like, oh, they're not okay or they're, they're unhealthy, I think it's a reflection on the people themselves because they're the actual ones who are not okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a projection.
0: It's a projection. Yeah, you just said that yeah it's projection everyone has their own medicine and their own thing i've been experiencing people going through their grief and their trauma and i'm a person like just talk to me but a lot of people are like well that's a bond and i don't want to bond in that i'm like you're not bonding you're being vulnerable tell me how this is affecting you don't just drop bombs on me yeah yeah. If you think about the whole staging of grief, feeling like we're not going through it together, to do it alone, to be strong.
1: That's the white man shit, you know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, white the whiteness. Shit. I think that's why we're having a hard time is that application. We've been conditioned mm-hmm. to be individualistic, and that is, I think, a result of all the whiteness. I'm working and divorcing myself from that space every day as my form of healing space for me and actually just the space of the most resonance and, and liberating because all of that is created to keep us not in community with one another. Yeah. And how they keep us controlled and keep their power yeah. structures to keep us not in community yeah. or transparent or yeah. vulnerable. Yeah. All of those spaces that you're talking about with transparency and vulnerability mm-hmm. are the connecting factors. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, I don't want to connect to you. I just want to punish you yeah. for not reading my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. what? How does that even work? Yeah. You know, and I'm learning that too with myself. I have to be very vocal about what I am in need of mm-hmm. we talked about that because yeah. we had our own thing with that yeah. where I had to tell mm-hmm. I had a whole breakdown I was crying and I was feeling so insecure about my capacity for finances and business and I'm learning how to be a better person in that space but I had to really come to justice and even in community with my mom and dad and just like yeah. be like hey like I need help
0: didn't you like feel better afterwards? oh my like, that's too- like the point
1: that's the whole it's point, the
0: point. just, just- do it. How many people are like, oh my God, they have all these internal issues and da, da da and then they don't say anything. You just gotta be nice and connect. If you're just nice and you connect with someone, or you're just vulnerable and you say, Okay, this is how I feel. You're not automatically gonna be hit with the wall or the no or the rejection. One thing that grief has led me to believe is God is always, always in the corner of what you're trying to fight. I don't know if I lacked a certain vulnerability before my pop's passed, but I for sure feel like like, I'm more vulnerable. I mean, like, y'all, I'm a baby. I'm a child. I just want to hug. I'm a puppy. I want to I wanna love and pet. I don't care who you are. And as someone who's been thinking about God and how God works in these most mysterious ways, I've been thinking about excess. Brief remind you of how much you have and how much you have in excess and, like, how you can give it away. You can give stuff away. I think about that constantly now because transcendence, my body and my spirit is just like a vessel. A million has been trying to teach me about minimalism for like the longest, but it it finally occurred to me that the best way to deal with healing and grief is to give and to give whatever you don't need, whatever you're just parting with because that's the best way to clear your mind and clear your soul. You just gave me some clothes and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to go home and give some clothes away. I'm figuring out that the best way to Connect is also to give, is to give word, give spirit, give love. I'm going to take on a pastor who told me make deposits, y'all. That's Mm. the best way to work in grief. We live in a world where we're just making withdrawals from people's energy and pocketbooks. We're not holding people and making deposits and making sure they're all right. And I kind of want to be like an annoyance, an annoyance, anointed person to say that everyone I know should know they're loved, should know that I'm there you know that I care because that's a deposit it, it doesn't matter if it comes back but it does come back oh yeah it does come back you've made a couple deposits in my life so have you thanks and There's we've many. been supporting each, each other's grief I mean I think so I think
1: we really connected when you were deep in it dude
0: yeah ain't nobody I connected with for real for real there was like maybe on account of hands two people I could say now I truly connected with a million came into my crevices <laughs> in my heart and popped up and sat down and make themselves home and I can't kick them out now <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: you know you i have rent control
0: yeah you have rent control
1: you do have (laughs) rent control they
0: don't tell you that when you're going through grief you're mostly alone and it's mostly quiet it's a deep place it's a really deep place everything feels muted and out of reach if you guys know camera lenses but like you zoom in and it's foggy Mm -hmm. that's how it feels when you're in it and sometimes it still feels like that and i feel like there's only a particular people who could give me a call and just like take me out of it feel muted right now i feel yeah i feel out of whack not like with myself oh god y'all i'm selfish i'm feeling good about justice and god and i love to see it <laughs> here for it but about this world you know? <sighs> is the world grieving are we losing it are we losing our touch
1: i think we're gaining it we were out Ooh. of it
0: hold up Talk about you're not an Afro pessimist. I'm that's, an Afro optimist. That's an Afro optimist. Ding ding.
1: Actually, <laughs> let's coin that. Write that down.
0: Yeah, we need to write those oh, things where's, down. Where's my sticky
1: notes? <laughs> because um, it's true. She loves a post it. Yeah. I'm. Mean, you know what? I'm gonna say that. I will renig. I don't know if I. Is that an appropriate word? <laughs> renig on Afro pessimism, and I will. Counter that with Afro-optimism. Yeah. It's uh, the future. I want to say why I say that's optimism. And I think it's the only way I've even been able to cope. We are having all these breakdowns and things are shifting and changing, but it's for the better. You have to have reconstruction. It's not a pretty place. It's not a nice place. It's not breakdowns. It's breakthroughs. It's breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: If you think about it, Black History Month is really just a month to grieve over the loss and the gain, but the loss of these Black folks, leaders, you know, people in our lives who have created the culture, pushed the history. And then also a whole month That's dedicated to our brilliance, our excellence, our magic. And at the same time, it's grieving because there are people who are in the midst of losing their places, their job. And they are black and brown people. If you're white or black, if you're a human being, you know, assist in another person's grieving. Can y'all just take the rest of the year and do something? Just do something. (laughs) Just do something. Deposits.
1: Deposits. Make
0: deposits.
1: Stop doing the withdrawal culture. (laughs) I think whiteness is withdrawal culture. I think whiteness can live in everybody. I don't think it's it's That's, not white ooh. it's i want to really push that it's not a about your skin. It's about your mind mm-hmm. and how Amen. you transact in the world. And I'm divorcing myself from black, her story, Historia, like just the black month in general, because I think so all the same people who also killed everybody and is still continuing to kill black people are yeah. people who designated Facts. this little container Facts. space Facts. to say, hey, you guys get the shortest day of the, the shortest month of the year to celebrate your blackness. Yeah. And I want to say no, especially when you think about all the contributions to the luxuries of society, everything. Who's the person who pointed out the shortest month? Whitney and Bobby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, it's February. It's Black History yeah, Month. Yeah. Excuse me. Black History Month. We need a longer month. month. Black History Month. We, we, need, like a be, we, we, we need a whole year. Black History month. Year. How about Black History Year yeah. for one year? Yeah. And, and, out of every two years. Where do you- you know, can we just credit them with that? But wait, I wanted to say there is no timeline when my father passed, I did some things that were within the last three three weeks after that were weird to me and were like not on time. Memorials, funerals. I had an interview for a job and Mm. they were like, are you over your grief to work? And I was like, whoa. And I knew I wasn't. I didn't even think I started. But it was more of those things people were telling me you have to take time to grieve. There's a certain level of timeline grief where years and years afterwards, I'm more emotional about it than it when it began, you know? Once a feeling, it could be an activity of time and meditation. Blackness is a place of feeling alive and I don't think grief is a negative thing i think grieving is something that actually makes us black and beautiful because of the fact that we can feel shit
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know like we've we've been able to do magnificent things with our grief i mean all these white people are so jealous because we take our grief
1: ooh, facts
0: and we know how to we know how to flip make it. magic we know how to we know how to flip it we remember people we honor people you know we don't forget them they won't. They can't let us forget them. I often think how empowering it is that like people like Malcolm and Martin and Harriet and oh my God, we can name a bunch of them. Mm, but like Sojourner, Sojourner, you know Ella, James Baldwin, Ella Baker, Ella Baker, Ella Fitzgerald. Yo, anyone who's had a energy in this earth and is not physically here is running hurricanes and 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 laps around us mm-hmm. to push their energy forward you know like i'm accepting death i'm accepting grief because i know that when i'm gone y'all my i'm gonna be naked my spirit going be naked running laps around y'all being like <gasps> what's good what you doing it's you're not done no you're not done when you're not here
1: no absolutely not we are energy thank you for bringing that point up mm-hmm. yeah you are energy i'm energy everyone who has passed their energy still lives and exists I was thinking about our actual form the other night and I was like are we just little slugs that have a conch shell which is our body and then when we lose that form we are just out and then if we're go to we're shell. assigned to another shell that
0: would be sick I
1: think that's what it is these I are hope so. these are our vessels because if you think about it when you really start to take care of yourself Uh I feel like the universe rewards that space. So it's saying your spirit is here. It's arrived. Ian believed very
0: much in Dharma, uh, transcendence and like karmic energy and all that stuff. You want to talk about Tupac. Like y'all still think Tupac's alive. He is alive. You know, like like that feeling, that vibe, you know, We all have that vibe in us. Yeah. And, like, here, now, like, really energize and manifest for the now and be there for the later in a different way. But I do think that shell thing is real. But Did you ever believe in ghosts?
1: Oh, of course I do. I've seen them. I've had paranormal experiences.
0: We still think ghosts are haunting us and in the movies, but we are literally spirits within body pre-ghost. And it's cool to really know. Like, I know y'all can't tell me otherwise. That I'm not gonna be a ghost, that I'm not gonna be here. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm gonna be all up in it. And now I just take my blessings. I can fully accept the losses that have already happened, the mm. losses that will come. I feel it, but I accept it because I know that everyone meets again mm-hmm. and there's a cycle. Yeah. You
1: believe that? Oh, of course. I'm out the I'm coming out the paranormal closet with <laughs> this one. <laughs> I completely believe it. I've seen it. Psychically, I've had too many experiences. How
0: do you connect Spiritual. to the spirits?
1: I talk to them. Yeah. I speak out loud. Mm-hmm. And I keep up my spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. which I noticed actually when my life was in chaos, I didn't have one. Mm. And establishing that has saved my life in the smallest way. I do have an altar to burn white candles. Like, you know, when you get that feeling where you feel like you just need to text somebody. Yeah. It's it's like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I feel like I need to text my ancestors and text my spirit guides and check in and meditate and pray and... I have a spiritual folder.
0: You got a spiritual folder? Of course you do. A million's got folders and <laughs> documents. I think a million should have their own book. I'm and re- I think I'm it's working a, on it. I think it's a book of like little makeshift solutions. Uh oh. you know, like physical, spiritual. Where do emotional lapses and tears really come from? Like it's a connection in the brain, but it's so connected to like the feelings I can't be explained. And sometimes I really do feel like someone's spiritual body is in my body or, or near my body. And I it's it's like they're depositing me to say that I'm here, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think being able to cry and be vulnerable is you're, you're meeting up with someone right now. This is very vulnerable. Sometimes I'll sit on my pop's grave and I'll have a notebook and I'll close my eyes and I'll just write random words. This is not even a joke, y'all. I closed my eyes and I wasn't thinking... Just would sit there. Sometimes the the pen wouldn't move. Sometimes it would move. And I just started drawing. And I remember I, like, wrote down a sentence, maybe, like, less. It was, like, five words. And opened my eyes. I really didn't know what I wrote and then i wrote and it was i want you to do good be okay dead ass wow dead ass it was like it was like that and i just i felt
1: ooh i got chills i
0: know i felt so crazy and actually like you know there's so many of those weird moments that's like one of them y'all like am i allowed to tell the big the big one
1: I do want you to say it, yes. But I want to say that what you're doing, there's a term for that: spiritual channeling and. Oh yeah, like we're divorced from who we are. Yeah, as a person, like we aren't even speaking our original language. Yeah, so we're getting words, we're picking up a lot of information. But what you're sharing right now is really important. Higher level too,
0: I think, because I think there's practice to it, right?
1: There's practice, and also I think there has to be allowance because because yes. there's a lot of fear there. There's yeah. people are scared of ghosts. Yeah. They're scared of what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. They're scared of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you actually surrender, yeah, it is. It will help you travel through grief. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Are you gonna share the big yeah, one? Yeah. No,
0: I will. Yeah. I will. Um, I first want to say something. If you're black or brown, there is a simple practice to, like, connect with ancestors that someone parted to me, which is, and it's so, this is the reason why I take baths, by the way. My friend told me it's the rarest times where your body is rested, so your spirit is enhanced in water, like we all are. And if you think of the womb, it kind of makes some sense. Spiritual baths are it. That's the time when I think the most about what I need to do for my day, my life and loss. I come out of it feeling heightened. My big spiritual moment, this is the moment that I think is the most defining. Like, I want it to be written. This is the moment that made me realize that God is a thing. Trans black God.
1: (laughs) Yeah, trans black God. God is (laughs) not a he or a she.
0: Whatever you are, we just know you ain't white Jesus. Uh, This is the moment where I was like, God is real, there is an afterlife. Basically all the things of like wondering like are aliens real all the things that are paranormal just came true to me and I have I will never deny it ever again. My father was transcending and we were like in he was like in the hospital. I was at a bar at a restaurant across the street from the hospital. You know, it was moments away from like that big pulling of the plug moment and there are people in the room. I wasn't in the room. I decided I'm gonna go get a drink and so I had a mm-hmm. cup of rum and I sat at the bar this is moments from it. And I went to the bathroom and I was really emotional. I I wasn't like crying, crying, but I was like, um, you could feel the emotions without the tears, y'all. And y'all know that feeling. It's like when your mama beat your ass and you like, (laughs) you know, but you can't cry. That was that moment. So I went to the bathroom, I peed, came out of it. And I swear to y'all, I like felt like huge heaviness that made me faint. And like, this is like background. I was the type to pass out all the time during school and everything. I felt a certain heaviness that felt like I was going to faint. And I walked out of the bathroom and outside the restaurant, literally just ran out. I was outside the bathroom with this heaviness and it made me sit down. It it literally put me on the ground on the corner of like Beverly Hills. And it was so heavy That I just started pouring out and crying and crying and crying and crying. Everything was gone. You couldn't tell me what was going on that time. It was like when a big-ass person just hugs you. I mean, I was like in a a fetal sort of position. It cleared. It was like really heavy. And I could feel the warmness, like more than the sun on me. Because it was like gray. And I could feel the warmness. Randomly, my homie Eric had just been driving by. And he saw me on the floor. But anyways, I was in that moment. I was uh, coming up and it felt like I was coming up for air and I could feel, I could feel warm breath on me. I could feel a body on me. It was, it was odd. He pulled his car up and I looked at him, I looked at him and I was like, what are you doing here? And I looked at my phone y'all and it was like someone telling me like, he's gone. Like we did it. In that moment, I just knew. I just knew I had already had a little spoken word with my pop in transcendence, but feeling that physical, spiritual energy. And by the way, that feeling has happened at the most random time since then. It's not been that heavy because I think that nigga was like, all right, that's a lot of love. We gotta give you the biggest hug, (laughs) you know? I've had moments of spurts, of sobs, of warmness, and I can't explain it. I felt on a different level than most people because I can tell people haven't gone through that. I have a friend, dear friend of mine who lost their mother. They are telling me they kind of had similar things with them, but like their body, like even their language, the way they feel, feels different. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm not wishing that upon anyone, but I, I think it's a different level of like how I live my life now. Do you know?
1: So yeah wow, I got super I got so many chills during your story. Yeah thank you for sharing that of course it's really beautiful yeah and touching to to share that you experience that energy well,
0: you had a dream about your dear friend
1: i did mm-hmm. yeah yeah i could i could share that well only
0: for comfort i i really just share that to say that we're all worth possessing that spiritual energy
1: we are and i, I think you, we should realize that our loved ones possess that Mm-hmm. And that the people who, who go to the other side, they have that that power. Mm-hmm. They will touch you. Yeah. Like they will reach you. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Just keep your channel and yourself open so that you can receive. Facts. That's one of the bigger messages I got from my best friend Ginger passing. Mm-hmm. It's like, dang, I want to be more open so mm-hmm. that I can receive mm-hmm. her whenever she decides to come to see me or visit me in whatever ways. Yeah. Which I know she has. Yeah. Like I'll I'll feel it. I'll just be like, I know Ginger's here. She came in my dream visiting you, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. This trek voyage I did last year was more about like visiting like familial sites and connecting mm-hmm. with people who I love and that familiarity. So since I was in Louisiana, my my dad's side is from Monroe and Ruston.
0: I want to go up there, by the way.
1: Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. So the night before I went, I had a dream about her, and it was trippy. I saw her at this table, and she looked like she would have if we were in her Harlem apartment talking at her countertop. Her hair was straightened out. She had a gray sweatshirt on, and she was just sitting there, and it was a very resonant conversation. She was really straight-faced. She was one of the most straightest, realist, rawest, people I've ever met in my life Mm. and I could feel that Mm -hmm. I remember leaving that and I was like whoa so when I was driving I called him I like shared what had been told to me it was like tripping him out because it was it was something that nobody would have known Mm. but when we had that discussion we had another follow-up call but he was like the feeling has lessened Mm -hmm. yes he was like i don't feel that around my heart anymore and and maybe she was like i wanted to prevent him from going to the hospital and from you know thinking there's something yeah internally wrong with him when it was just his Mm -hmm. his space of grieving you know like it wasn't something that i i don't know i just was getting that message
0: no no and that's real Imposter syndrome is a place in which we're trying to learn to trust the identity. Our identity is metaphysical. Like we mm-hmm. have ancestors, we have history, we have pain, we have trauma, but all of that is also profound soul. Yes. You know, and like trusting our soul and the connection, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It's another channel.
0: Yeah, it's another channel. I think about how many people have a heavyness in their heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Personally, I know people in my family who have the heaviness. I don't have the right words sometimes, but I can feel it. What do
1: you look forward to as you move through your grief? I look forward to a world where we are more in our freest selves. Um, I think that's really a big part of people connecting into who they truly are in their purpose and being able to be in community with that space of resonance, like not the imposter not the representative. Yeah. Not a performance artist. True form. True form. And what does community in the future look like when the more of us are in true form? World peace. Peace. We just
0: trying to let your soul
1: glow. The glow up. Yeah, no <laughs> Yo, you. Yo, you want to
0: know why some people do look good right now? I'm not going to lie. It's because they've been by themselves. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, for real. You people been minding their business. Been minding their business. And mm. handling their stuff. Shout out to
0: those who are grieving, but also still loving and still being vulnerable, who look good. they are drinking their water. Drinking
1: their water, taking care of themselves, getting in touch with their spirituality and dealing yeah. with their stuff. I mean, when you deal with your stuff and you move through that those spaces you create a higher vibration for yourself yeah. and i think you attract higher vibrational people Thanks. and higher Thanks. vibrational experiences life is all about experience and there is a lot of joy and beauty that we are deserving of i also feel the messages that i get from the earth is like hey i'm here for y'all i'm here to help you move through some things enjoy me let's touch more of her
0: is that what you look forward to? Is being more in touch?
1: Being I'm way proud. more in touch with yeah. nature. And... You said
0: you want to be more Japanese.
1: Yeah, I need. I'm gonna get more <laughs> in touch with my Japanese side. I'm. I'm definitely could never not get more in touch with my black side. But there is a a space culturally that I think, and especially in Eastern cultures where nature is
0: y'all you all gonna see me and uh, a million in japan traversing countryside japan i would love to do that with you let's do it wait hold up you heard it here now at three o'clock p.m pacific time and we are going to plan a trip where we traverse and backpack around japan meditate and be quiet i've never met a black person who didn't like japan there's a bunch of black people who are like, Japan's a spot. You talked about nature and, being, and how we're involved. It has to do a lot with Asian and Eastern cultures. And black
1: folks, too, because we have a gr- agrarian culture. We Farmers, t- growers. Far- yeah. Black Hobbit Life. Shout out to Black Hobbit Life. When, it,
0: when all things have gone confusing, just remember Black Hobbit Life. You yeah. know, take a walk, take a yes. run, touch the sun, feed in the earth. Water. I don't understand how people can go through our lives and not be in Earth. Yeah, I look forward through grief in a couple ways. Uh, One, I want to spiritually invest in that realm more. I really want to get in touch with my manifestive and intentional side. I want to channel more. I'm a writer, but I feel like I haven't been believing in my art Mm -hmm. and channeling it. So I want to spiral, as Amelia likes to say, more, and I want to talk to my spirit guides more. Oh, I love that. Yeah, forward to cross my fingers. You know, everyone has like career goals and all that stuff, and I, I really look forward to feeling purposeful and to strengthen strengthening my purpose. My biggest challenge right now is to believe I have one. Mm. And to really just dive in it. Just be like, yeah, I got it. I got this. Yes. You know, I haven't given myself much grace to feel like I have a purpose. Only within the beginning of the new year have I been like, you have a purpose, Justice. Mm -hmm. And I think I've just been forgetting. I've just been forgetting. You know, I've been looking for it. And I already had it. God already gave me a purpose.
1: It's already here. It's already
0: here. Oh, it's on the stove. It's cooking. It's cooking.
1: Everybody remember that. You don't know where you're going to be in five years. Yeah, but you, it's on the stove. It's on the stove. Yeah. It's it's on a sim. <laughs> it's, it's on a simmer. It's prepped. Uh,
0: my grandma always tells me, when you're really ready... Just know, cut the stove on. I like that. Yeah. Cut the stove on. Because it's cooking, you It's know? cooking. That's the idea, though.
1: Even in your darkest moments, just know the stove is cut on. It's yeah. on a high heat, but it will pass. Yeah. I really love what you had to say about that, because that is already purposeful. Whether you can see where you're going to be at exactly, or what it is going to unfold to, it's already unfolding. It's a really hard time out there for people, but just know that there's a really big lesson in that space, and it's a challenging space space to get through but when you're on the other side of it man i'm telling you there's Mm -hmm. some beauty Mm -hmm. waiting for you
0: there's beauty in the foggy and there's beauty in the clear
1: yeah an element i would suggest in terms of grief i think is water be like water to to maybe like think about that element when you're in that space of that thickness or that fog. I want to read this quote. Is yeah, that cool? please do. My friend Billy. Shout out to Billy. What up, Billy? Billy's dope. But he's also helped support sisters. He he did the logo design. Billy has been doing I Ching. What's that? I Ching is. A very ancient art form that comes from China. It's a spiritual channeling where you use coins or you can use certain sticks. You shake the coins and you ask a question. He pulls the coins and you get certain numbers. And then you look up what they mean. Mm -hmm. I've had I Ching done on me twice. Actually, both by designers who have supported sisters. Deborah, who did the Mount Reparations mural, did a beautiful I Ching session with me. And then Billy, who designed our logo, he did I Ching for me la- the other night. And it was really trippy because me, Billy and I had just caught up after not talking for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've been doing I Ching. You want me to do I Ching on you? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so I had a question about fear. Number 29 came up, which is precipice water. I'm always talking about water. This woman. Love. Woman person. Talking about um, water. So, so
0: much water in them.
1: So much water. Mm-hmm. Drowning. Drowning. Fear of water, I faced. I have a YouTube video coming out about that. But so I want to read this this like section because it talks about danger, and okay. I think grieving and fear are definitely correlated to maybe an idea or a projection of danger. Yeah, absolutely. Through repetition of danger, we grow accustomed to it. Water sets the example for the right conduct under such circumstances. It flows on and on, and merely fills up all the places through which it flows. It does not shrink from any dangerous spot nor any plunge, and nothing can make it lose its own essential nature. It remains true to itself under all conditions. Thus, likewise, if one is sincere when confronted with difficulties, the heart can penetrate the meaning of the situation. And once we have gained inner mastery of a problem, it will come about naturally that the action we take will succeed. In danger, all that counts is really carrying out all that has to be done, thoroughness, and going forward in order to not perish through tarrying in the danger. And mm. reminds me of what your friend Ian said, the quote about kindness. Mm-hmm. Danger is always imminent. Mm-hmm. That We're humans. We're always going to be in some form of danger, which is mm-hmm. why we have to engage in fear, mm-hmm. right? And why grieving is almost like the body releasing that space that I just love that if you are sincere and true, it is really the key, vibing and not drowning, in all of that is around us. Mm. So just yeah. remembering that space of kindness and compassion and um, trueness and realness, you know?
0: That's really nice. Yeah. That weirdly reminded me of a moment I actually had with him, like some of that quote, which is weird. Oh, that's trippy. Yeah. Well, mostly because I just think of a... Uh, you know when you guys are at the party? The, the party of life full of people and you're trying to get through the crowd and someone takes you by the arm or holds your hand and pulls you through it? <sighs> that feeling? That was, that was Ian. And he was like, we're just going to get through this. And you're trying to get to the VIP area? <laughs> or you're trying to get outside for a smoke? That's the party of life and we all need one of those? Yes. Someone to like, pull us through the danger mm-hmm. spirits do that physical people on this earth do that that's a really great quote f- quote for me realizing like we're all have someone who's taking our hand or who's holding us through the crowd the deposit mm-hmm. back so go grab somebody's what? hand yeah so go grab. and i'm also gonna take ian's quote and keep saying it because i feel like it's one of my favorite ones yeah so manifest little manifestors Manifest
1: little manifestors. Yeah, we got this. Thank you for picking this topic. (laughs) Feel uh, a weight has lifted. How do you feel? I feel great. That's great. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to Imposter Imposter Syndrome Survivors Survivors Club, (laughs) where the world has got you fucked up.
1: But we're here to remind you: it's not you, not you, it's the world. world.
0: Thank you.